welcome to the Priestess Mercury podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host, uh, Matt Treese with In Transit Astrology, and with me, as always, is Michelle Bloom with Michelle Bloom Counseling. Michelle, you want to say hi? Hello. And uh, we're here um, at least twice a month on Mercury's Hour uh, to uh, channel the astrology of the day, uh, as well as tarot, divine feminine healing, uh, among other things that come in. Uh, and today we're going to uh, kind of break down this uh, big, great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn uh, in Aquarius that everyone's been talking about, uh, whether they're talking about it as the star of Bethlehem or the uh, age of Aquarius. Uh, we're going to kind of break down the basics of what it means so that we don't get caught up in a lot of uh, unnecessary uh, references, uh, and we can get down to what it means for you in your own life. So uh, maybe it's best to kind of start off and talk about how this, uh, this is a 20-year cycle of the planets, uh, Jupiter and Saturn. They occupy the same space as seen from Earth about every 20 years. Um, and on top of that, they have a pattern in the zodiac so when they're, uh, when they're lining up uh, for about 200 years, they'll have these conjunctions in uh, the signs of the same element. So for, since 1802, we've been having conjunctions uh, in Earth-based signs. So that's Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn, with the exception of uh, a brief dip uh, in the early 19th century into air, back into Aries, which they, it was in fire before. Uh, and then in 1981, there was uh, a preview of what we've got to come for the next 200 years in Libra. Uh, yeah, and that, um, yes, the air signs, Libra, Aquarius, Gemini, represent the mind mm -hmm. and spirit. And that we have Saturn and Jupiter that are doing this conjunction. And Saturn, again, we talked a little last week, ended last week's podcast, that Saturn is represents or is the energy and the archetype, archetypal pattern of time, limitation, restriction, discipline, effort, and what limits us and overcoming what limits us in order to grow. That if you want your garden to flourish and grow, you need to water it, you need to plant it in the right soil. It needs the right elements and the right nutrients and the right tending to be able to actually grow. You can't just wish it to grow or hope that it grows all year long because you always want expansion. It has to go through the cycles of death and mm -hmm. Saturn represents the limitations and the restrictions and the tending. And then Jupiter is kind of the opposite of that. Jupiter is whatever Jupiter touches, expands and grows and is just endlessly moving outward and getting right. bigger and is buoyant and optimistic yeah, and it's you know it it's it endows dignity to things. Uh, it's often seen as like the great source of luck, 
uh, within the chart. So yes, your, luck and auspiciousness. Yeah, along with Venus, which is the other kind of smaller benefic planet. Um, so yeah, and so these two coming together uh, represent kind of uh, a contrast, uh, but a contrast that helps to create uh, kind of like how contrast in a picture helps us to see and define the picture. Uh, they really bring things into life and into focus, uh, but it's, you know, very dynamic and it can be not the easiest energy to deal with, but uh, it is very fulfilling and life-changing. I like, Matt, how you said a few podcasts ago, or maybe one that we never even posted, I can't remember, but um, that this conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn together is expansion through limitation, mm -hmm. which I just want to share so you can, in helping you to understand, you being who's watching, um, how in my own life, this has been true with, I have an autoimmune disease that I keep in remission through being on an autoimmune paleo diet. It's incredibly restrictive. I eat the same foods. I had to give up all the yummy foods, all the Jupiter, mm -hmm. like on its own without Saturn, <laughs> all the yummy, delicious. Like I eat like 12 foods over and over. This is my third year on it. And because, and it's incredible restriction on all levels because I love food, but through this restriction and my discipline and my dedication to this diet, the disease is in remission. Yay. And, that, and that's that the expansion, thing. right? So that's mm -hmm. the, the expansion that my health is on point by restricting and being on this diet. So that's a really good personal example of Jupiter and Saturn coming together in that contrast, that high contrast of extreme restriction, creating extreme growth. Right, yeah. And then, and I, and then real quick, I just also wanna share what I always repeat over and over too, is the line that Jack White, White Stripes lead yeah, singer. Yeah, Jack White, yeah. Um, said in, I think it was a documentary on them, um, that limitation breeds creativity. Mm -hmm. which I think is another great line for Jupiter and Saturn coming together. Yeah, and it's, it's one of those lessons that I had to learn uh, as a poet um, is that, you know, poetry is not just uh, kind of just verbally spilling whatever is on your mind, uh, but that it requires a discipline of coming to and being present and uh, giving shape to and, and kind of holding yourself back in very specific ways. Um, to be able to start to uh, see a self kind of coming through and a voice kind of coming through the work. That reminds me too with poetry for the self, the presence, the essence to come through. It really is a lot about hedging and um, cropping. It's like getting down to the essence with a poem, you know, it's like mm -hmm. really what are the words that are the essence and how can I show and not tell, which is, yeah, another great example of Jupiter and Saturn together. And 
And then if we think about that, we've brought like an example of health, an example of creative expression, and then thinking that it's Jupiter and Saturn in Aquarius. So Aquarius. And I just want to say about Aquarius, I always like to start this off is everyone always says Aquarius is about the group. Right. But that's like half the story. Aquarius is about your own individuation. It honors the individual. There's a lot of distaste about individualism in current culture, but that's really talking about the shadow of individualism, the self-centered me only mm -hmm. shadow, whereas Aquarius represents the, the true essence that we all have a soul or an authentic self and oftentimes all or much of the true self is shadowed and pushed down away from the ego identification because of our upbringing, because it's not safe to be the true self. Culture tells us to be other things. Family molds us to be other things, whatever it is, fear, ignorance, blah, blah, blah. To, so that Aquarius represents being that true self, discovering that true self, and then bringing that true self to the group and forming groups around a bunch of true selves. Right. That the groups, it is about the group, but the group as everyone's in their authenticity coming together, not coming together in pack mentality. Right. Yeah, the pack mentality is kind of, as we were talking about dogma being the shadow of Sagittarius, or where Sagittarius energy gets kind of derailed and run off off the track, so to speak. Um, that's kind of what we get with Aquarius, where Aquarius is about learning your your personal limits. Like, what's the limit between myself and the group? How do I like? How do I have to make choices? Uh, kind of following the Saturn principle, and as we were saying last week about Jupiter ruling Sagittarius in the ancient tradition, like Saturn rules Aquarius. And so there's this, like, how do I take on limitations on the self uh, in order to participate uh, and join into uh, group life, uh, but not lose myself in it? Because that's the shadow of Aquarius is just totally losing the self in the group. Or, or I, that's interesting because I see that so much more as, and here's a great example of how subjective astrology can be, because I don't see that as Aquarius shadow. I see that more as Pisces shadow, losing the self in the group. I see more like the shadow of Aquarius being isolating. Like you're not in your authentic self. You're just isolating yourself from the loner, the, loner, the mad scientist in the basement. The, the crazy guy in the basement, you know, just really rebellious to, for rebellion's sake. Per, and, and, I, and this makes me think a lot of Uranus, which is the new ruler of Aquarius. So they're both, they both rule Aquarius, ancient right. and modern, and that the shadow of Uranus is more the wacky weirdo eccentric that rebels for rebellion's sake and will not join the group at all. Right and is rebellious on purpose just to push buttons. Um, but I can see what you're saying, even though I tend to think of that more as Pisces, as where Saturn is Aquarius's ruler, that mm -hmm. 
losing, not being true self and just going along with the group mentality being the shadow of Aquarius. I can see that. That makes sense to me when I think about the old ancient ruler, the Saturn ruling Aquarius. That can yeah. be that too. And when I think about the Aquarius, sorry, when I think about the Aquarius, I know I can see both of those shadows. I can see just being part of the pack mentality as a shadow mm -hmm. and not really having one, your own unique individuated self expressed within the group. And I can see the, the, the isolation. Yeah. And, and Aquarius kind of speaks to, in some ways, the need to uh, have kind of common ground rules within our groups uh, right. so that we about the universal. Yeah, so that we can operate in good faith. And this is why you get things associated with the sign of Aquarius like science uh, and the scientific method, because it's about uh, taking on these kind of arbitrary means of ob objectification, but doing it as a means to be able to have somewhat of a universal language uh, with which yeah. we can talk. And that can, yeah. that can also kind of get out of control too, where it's like that uh, gets used as a, a billy club to beat people into submission. Yeah, uh, I mean it's yeah because Aquarius is a fixed a fixed sign along mm -hmm. with Taurus, Leo, and Scorpio can become too rigid. Fixed signs can become too rigid. It's like science only. If the five senses can't prove it, it's meaningless. Um, and also just the point that not only fixed, but yeah, Aquarius rules the mind mm -hmm. and it rules technology, mm -hmm. alien contact, science, science fiction, yeah. right? All of that innovation is a main word of Aquarius. It, how can we innovate? How can we innovate the medical industry? How can we innovate institutions? How can we look at it in a new way in the mind and improve it? Right. And an Aquarius ruling technology too, that has a lot to say about this. Like just thinking about the conjunction on a collective level, this Aquarius-Saturn conjunction. Right. And, you know, it, we might think about kind of uh, like the last time Saturn went through Aquarius, which would have been 91 to 93, mm -hmm. uh, we see things happening like the first web browser uh, came out and we start getting this move towards like the internet and this kind of disembodied space that we're all now starting to inhabit. And especially when Saturn took its first dip into Aquarius in March, uh, we were all kind of pushed onto these platforms like Zoom uh, and the telehealth and everything. Uh, and so there's this heavy emphasis in Aquarius to kind of uh, take these leaps outside of uh, the body and into this kind of uh, almost telepathic connection. Yeah, I wanna um, expand on that, but I just real quick wanna go back to when you said Saturn was in Aquarius 91 and 93. So that's also mm -hmm. a good time for everyone to think back right. to those years and what you were going through for your personal life. And then, yeah, collectively, I like how you say the disembodied space, that Aquarius 
the, the self can extend beyond the body, just like it will with Pisces, the sign after that extends beyond the body once it leaves Capricorn, you know, or even anyway, I'm not going to diatribe. Extending beyond the body into Zoom, into technology, mm -hmm. social media, and also to add to that when Saturn went into zero degrees Aquarius in March uh, with COVID, kicking it off with COVID, that the dual nature of being forced into isolation, mm -hmm. which I feel coming from the healer perspective I connect to, that that, that is an invitation for people to find their true self, to pull away from just always being out and about connecting with other people and to go within and to find them, the self. And then also connecting through technology. I mean, imagine if we were going through this before the internet. Right. And you could say good and bad things about that. I mean, on one hand, thank good. I mean, if we didn't have video and I think about my father not being able to connect with my 84 year old father on video, I would be heartbroken. Right. Yeah. I mean, we would all be suffering a, a lot more without the electronic communication. Yeah. And, and also when I think about, because I'm self, I'm by myself with no pets, no partner. Uh, so the, the screen is a vital force for me. And I'm one of the, I have Aquarius rising. Matt has Aquarius moon. So we both have mm -hmm. Aquarius in us. So people with Aquarius in them tend to not be technology rejectors or haters. Um, so check, you can check in with that. But for me, I love the internet. I love technology. I do um, video telehealth and I don't feel any disconnect from doing telehealth. I don't feel like I connect any less with my clients. In fact, in many ways, I like it a lot better because I feel like I'm in my own home. They're in their own home. There's an intimacy to that. And then there's an, en a slight energetic different, uh, separation but I don't mind that. And I don't feel any less empathically connected. So for me, and I know we're all different, so I'm not putting this on anyone, but for me, I can empathically connect at a distance through the screen across the world. I don't need to be in the same physical space. And I feel that way about the people that I love too. I I feel like I can easily connect to the people I love, whether I physically connect with them or not, which, and, it, and this is all very Aquarius because Aquarius right. is beyond the body. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And in, in some ways it, it reminds us that what the limitation of physical distance is not that limiting. Yeah. It allows us to see through space, yeah. uh, see through that kind of hardened element of earth uh, and to be able, like air, to kind of escape those confines and find a new way to connect. Yeah, it, it, again, it's, that's like the innovating, right? It's innovating intimacy, innovating connection, innovating what it means to be a self, that it can be beyond the physicality, beyond the body.
you know, of course, in shadow, this can go to dangerous places and we can turn into bots that are like, lose our humanity. I mean, there's always the shadow, but it, I think it's really refreshing too to talk about the light side mm -hmm. of technology and alien contact or aliens too. That's very Aquarian as well. Like again, you know, moving beyond, right? Aquarius is so much about evolving and moving beyond what is known. Well, and, you know, even at the beginning of the pandemic, just, you know, for those who were able to work from home, just being able to work from home a little bit more, uh, like, it just takes away, it took away some of the restrictions in some sense. Although as long as it went on, you do feel a bit of the isolation end of it. But uh, still, it's like, it's freeing to not have to be tied to commuting in uh, on a train or on a bus or in your car to an office. And, uh, you, you know, it's nice to be at home and still be at work. Uh, so not letting those spaces collapse a little bit. Can and be... again, just to bring it back around, it's like expansion through restriction, through mm -hmm. not being able to go to work or out to places, et cetera, through COVID, through the restriction of COVID, we are learning about how to innovate and expand beyond what we saw as these necessary physical ways of being in the world. Right. The way the world works, as everyone will always tell you uh, when they want you to do something, it's just the way the world works. And then right. when you get to these moments of crisis and these kind of Aquarian moments, it's like, no, the world doesn't have to work that way. Uh, it can work differently. Yeah, essentially Aquarius is the push of evolution. It, it, it pushes you out. And then, then it's thinking about Aquarius ruled by Uranus too, mm -hmm. um, and the tower card and the tarot deck, which crumbles apart the old system and the status quo in order to bring the new. And that's so a lot of, that's what I feel very strongly about this conjunction that is, you know, a 20 year and then a 300 year, these big longer cycles, but that it's initiating the crumbling of an old mindset and an old way of seeing this is what self is. This is what human life looks like. Right. Yeah, no, it's like we, we go through this cycle from the beginning of an idea, and we can think of that as like air element, to uh, having the inspiration kind of move it along, and that's where we get kind of fire added to that. Uh, and then having to bring that into and process through the emotions in order to uh, get to this point of manifestation um, and so we can look back over the last 200 years and see like how drastically uh, human society has changed. Um, and now we're at this place where we can reshape that, uh, rethink it, get to a new idea. That's kind of the blessing of what this cycle has for us. It's a new story we get to write. It's a new story we get to write. And I just want to make a little commentary here uh, toward the collective on that in that as in all the Capricorn energy that we've been in with Pluto, which still has mm -hmm. a little ways to go in Capricorn and Saturn, who's been best friends with Pluto for a while. And there's been this <laughs> whole dismantling of the toxic patriarchy and we're not, we don't want this anymore, but there's also other ideas that all go along with that, that are very black and white ideas or like 
black and white, like capitalism bad, socialism good, right? Uh, individualism bad, collectivism good, or like that these isms are the only structures that exist. And that not only are they the only structures that exist, these isms, but they're either bad or good. Aquarius is going to come in and say, there's other isms, there's other right. structures you haven't even thought of. And also, it's not about bad or good. Right. That good or it, bad is just a then, binary that well, you kind of go through. Binary. And then, you know, what Aquarius is saying is that when you're coming from the authentic self, you don't need the binary. You right. don't need to default into good or bad that you can see things more contextually. Now, of course, I always want to disclaim, we're not talking about the big hatred things. Like that's not under contextual change, right? right? Hatred towards any of the, the, the thing, the p kinds of people, it, it is black and white. It is like racism is very bad and very unhealthy and all people are equal, created equal. You know, there's some things that are axioms. Right. Well, and those things are created out of those uh, really awful black and white type distinctions. Uh, you know, thinking that right. I'm good and this person's bad. Right. I mean, some... all of the hatred-isms birth out of black and white thinking to begin with, right? It's like the, yeah. to the toxic mindset is born out of a toxic heart born out of i mean that's a whole other again we're not going to diatribe we're sticking with because <laughs> we love to diatribe we'll have plenty of time to talk about pluto later yeah. <laughs> we always want to go back to pluto but well, um, it, it is big astrology but we've got time for that it's so big but yeah it's just what's exciting is this aquarius energy that does come in, it's coming in through Saturn, through restriction and through Jupiter expansion and saying, can we have new isms? Can we have new belief structures? Can we transcend bad and good? Can we transcend physical space? Can we transcend the body? Like, it, can we open our mind to connect in new ways, to think about structures and institutions and isms in new ways? It's, it's really about the new. Aquarius is about the future. Mm -hmm. It's future, future, future. Yeah, there was a line I always loved, uh, and regardless of the source text, but from Karl Marx, where he talks about what happens when things, when societies kind of fall apart and rebuild, uh, is that he's like, you get to this point where all that is solid melts into air. And it's always kind of stuck with me. It's a very uh, visceral kind of feeling. And I feel like we're, that's kind of where we're at right now, that everything that felt really solid and unmovable uh, is, you know, is less stable. And that's, on one hand, it can create as an amount of fear, but on the other hand, can also create a, a fair amount of hope that because some of these things were oppressive and were not helpful to a lot of people. Uh, and, some of those being those isms that we were talking about, the racism and- Well, and uh, all the isms, I mean, the isms rule our life. It rules every institution is a mm -hmm. belief structure, right? So Aquarius wants to blast all of these belief structures and it, it tends to blast and that's terrifying. And let's mm -hmm. get real. Life has been scary and is going to continue to be scary. I mean, and I don't want to, 
be super dramatic, but it's pretty dramatic when you look back on this year and mm -hmm. that we know that this is going to continue. There's no going backward. We're only going forward at this point. So right. Aqua this Aquarius Jupiter Saturn conjunction in your personal life and in the collective life is saying you need to think in new ways, you need to rise to the adaptive challenges and think in new ways altogether. Get get out of um, these binary, either it's, you know, utopia or it's despair, either mm -hmm. it's radical or it's conservative, either you're this or you're that. It's like when you, Go, when you really find your authentic self or feel that authentic essence, whatever you want to call it, you can call it the soul, you can call it essence, you can call it true self. It's complex. It's not just mm -hmm. like one thing. It's not just this one dimensional thing. There's many aspects. Life has many aspects, which we see reflected in nature. Mm -hmm. Astrology is nature life is nature, spirit is nature. And we see that there is something we can rely upon always, which is where I find comfort. And that's the cyclicalness of nature, right? right? This is the crone medicine that we know in like, as the crone knows that everything is, you know, rise and fall black and white death and rebirth, like, and this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And that we can fall, do a trust fall into the cycles of nature because we are our nature and we're connected at all times. Right. And we can, you know, it's only, it's only scary or it's only too scary if we're trying to hold on to right. what was. And I hear the bell. So that means that we're, we wanted to transition, uh, you know, Kind of because we're we, do cards. we can keep going round and round talking about uh, the fear that Saturn element and the Jupiter hope uh, that kind of combat with each other a little bit, uh, but they bring us to some place. And what we want to do is to kind of get a message uh, about what that place is, and that we we're find gonna, yeah, that use the cards. Use the cards. The uh, they're usually one of the best tools that I have uh, personally. Uh, the astrology is great and it takes a long, it does take a long time to kind of sit with and uh, work with the cycles. Uh, but the tarot um, can kind of in an instant pull you out of, uh, out out of, of space analysis. and show you. Yeah. Out of analysis into essence. Matt, okay. you pick. Yeah, let's let's go with the uh, archetype cards there, the round ones. Okay, so the archetype deck. We're going to use the yeah. archetype deck. So I'm going to read from the book because her uh, um, Kim Carnes, Kim Kranz, or Kranz, yes, sorry. Uh, who does the Wild Unknown Tarot, which everyone loves? She does this archetype deck, which everyone loves. My clients love this deck. I love this deck. It's Matt beautiful. Deck. Yeah. Um, and I like to read from here because her writing is really poetic and beautiful. So let's get out of analysis into the essence. Matt and I do this all the time. I do this in my practice that when we look at a transit or dream or anything that 
where you'd want to immediately go into analysis, it's like, let's not analyze it. Let's just pull and find out what it is. Right. Because, uh, because that's when you start to see these coincidences that just bubble up out of nowhere uh, and give you a lot of what the meaning would be. Uh, it's your unconscious kind of talking to you. So the unconscious is talking to us now, and I'm going to pull three cards for what the Uranus, I'm sorry, what the uh, Jupiter, Saturn, and Aquarius conjunction means. We'll see what we get. I feel such a bubbling of energy right now with this, like the champagne bubbles or effervescent. Oh, I actually ended up pulling four cards. Okay. All right. I'm definitely feeling Uranus because the fourth card fell on the floor. <laughs> All right. So get away. we have the creator, the uh, thread, yes. the gem, and the mirror. Okay. So let's start with the creator XX. The art, I'm going to hold, there we go. So that way we can, the artist, okay. the alchemist, the innovator, the creator, the first archetype in the trio of existence is not intimidated by darkness or by lack. They know that from the void, creation inevitably emerges. With meager, minimal and outlandish materials, the creator reveals a new image. They make the empty room resonate with healing sounds. They generate bounty from the seed that others tossed away. Though generative, this archetype annihilates preconceived notions of what is possible. Hello, Aquarius, right? Yes, very Aquarian, yeah. Leaving unexpected openings in the wake of its destruction. The creator does this first being absolutely present to what is. That reminds me of what you're talking about with poetry. Mm -hmm. Not imagining or wishing things were different. Hello, 220. Right. I'm like making commentary every two seconds. Yeah, and Saturn too. That's a very Saturn principle. Very wow. Saturn principle. Reality. What mm -hmm. is. And second, trusting that a force greater than themselves awaits constant collaboration with each human soul. Right? That's what we mm -hmm. can do the trust fall with. Whether we call it nature, God, goddess, Shakti, or divinity, it remains nameless. It is the creator's lifelong companion. When light, curious, playful, open, and surprising, when dark, loses spark, feels burdened. Well, that's everything we just said. <laughs> so I feel like let's read them all and then see what time we have left because there's a lot to read. Right. This definitely, the creator definitely uh, describes what we just talked about pretty spot on. Yeah, and about being open to spontaneity in particular, like uh, letting the letting the reality be what the reality is, and not what you uh, want to 
tell everyone it is or what you want to think it is because it makes you feel comfortable, but just sitting with it. There's no creativity in the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So then we have the thread, the path, the vein, the circuit. Life is a tangle. So much happens simultaneously and circuitously, leaving us grappling for meaning and direction in a network of distractions. When we connect to the energy of the thread, however, we strike the deepest vein in the body. Our whole being responds to its tug. Meaning is pumped through our bloodstream. Our mind and spirits are lifted. We remember who we are and what we came into this world to do. Again, very Aquarius, connecting with your true calling, true soul. Though this happens on the most profound level, it could be the simplest incident that activates the thread, a song, an image, a conversation heard in passing. No matter how confusing and multi-layered our modern lives become, if we are connected to the thread, we are free. Being tethered to it is the only anchor our heart requires. When light, the circuit of meaning within chaos, when dark, binding, frustrating, and taut. Well, that just adds to the tale of this, doesn't it, right? As, mm -hmm. as we become new, connecting to, connecting to the transpersonal, whatever you want to call it, and connecting to the true self. Yeah. That's the thread. Yeah, and it's that, uh, you know, it represents that place where, you, you know, whenever you're in a hard spot and you, you say to yourself, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know where to look. I don't, you know, and then there's that one little thing that gives you an insight into uh, where to go and you kind of follow it without really, it doesn't really make a lot of logical sense, but then you follow it and then it leads you to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. That's the thread kind of pulling you along. It's the yeah. intuition kind of connecting you with your unconscious and kind of guiding you through kind of, a, a labyrinth or uh, of uh, uh, sorrows or hardships or whatnot. I mean, it really, it really speaks to the self beyond the body that when these synchronicities come along and these connections come along, it's the self outside of the body mirroring back to the self and keeping you on that path of purpose, on that deeper path of truth and that all of the feelings it's another thing i'm always i feel like i'm always chirping is building resilience around feelings that you know they're just chemical storms sorrow mm -hmm. is just sorrow it's just a chemical storm it's nothing more than that we're not our feelings right. and that they're going to course through fear sorrow disappointment shock and yet if we fall back into the transpersonal, cultivate our relationship with the transpersonal through practice, through spiritual practice or nature mm -hmm. practice or whatever you want to call it. And then we cultivate our true self or that authentic essence through these synchronicities and occurrences. That's, that's what this conjunction is about. Yeah. It's a great exercise to always, um, on a regular basis, do something in which you're uh, unfamiliar, uh, something that pulls you out of your comfort zone, uh, something that pulls you out of your habits, 
so that you can start to recognize the those uh, ways that the universe is kind of tugging you along. And you know, to say, Matt, with that sentiment, I don't think you any of us have to try anymore. I think it's happening now. Yeah. Well, Hope I mean, it is. Pull this out, and 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 it's not going to stop with that. We're going to have a series of things happening. These are transpersonal energies that we're talking about here. So it's just going to start happening. What this is already saying is that the familiar and the comfortable is no more. And so this is how to get anchored, rooted and connected and to understand that this is a grand adventure and a, and a quest. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's an element of privilege and luxury to that, that if you can't feed yourself and shelter yourself, none of this is, is gonna speak to, to you. And right. I just wanna just say that out loud and honor that too, because Maslow's hierarchy of needs is, mm -hmm. exists. Okay, so, and that's real. Yeah. Okay. So next we have the gem. Mm -hmm. The diamond, the gold, the inner treasure. There are infinite names for the gem. It is also known as the jewel, the star, the talent, the gift, the gold. One thing for certain is that it is found deep within a substance that is very much unlike it. For example, a diamond in the rough. The gem always stands in contrast to its surroundings. You can't find it when you are among comforts and pleasantries. Again, that theme <laughs> continues. Yep. Precious stones develop slowly deep in the earth amid pressure and darkness. Discovering the gem requires a descent beneath the surface where there is no definitive map. Yet the longing to touch the true gem within us is so strong that we cannot help but seek out its radiance. Your gem, like your destiny, is unlike any other in the entire world. Keep digging. When light, unique, shining, generative, irreplaceable, and when dark, envy, greed, and grasping. It's like yeah. the same theme said three different ways so far, isn't it? Except, yeah, in some ways, it's all saying kind of accept where you are, accept what this is, the gift of it in a way that even though everything is falling around you or around all of us, uh, it is falling around all of us. That's probably part of what the gift is, is that it's putting us all into this collective space uh, so that we see that we need each other uh, as much as we need ourselves. Uh, or that we need ourselves as much as we need each other. Yeah, and vice versa. And vice versa. And when it's needing yourself, it's not the self-centered self. It's the true self, the gem, your gifts, your talents, and how you can, in your own true essence, contribute to the group. Not trying to be something you're not. Not trying to be a social warrior when you're more of a healer or trying to be a healer when you're more of a builder or trying to be a builder when you're more of a nurturer. That, you know, the, the gem is... you is your particular talent also that the only way to bring out that calling is to go through the pressure mm -hmm. that yeah the crumbling and the pressure and the uncertainty are all what's molding us are right. all what's bringing that out for for each other for the new um all right pretty profound and then we end with the mirror. 
the reflection, the illusion, the looking glass. We look into mirrors every day without recognizing them as portals into another realm. They can shatter, flatter, distort, reflect, and project an image back to us that we deem to be true. The energy of the mirror is all about self-perception. When the archetype of the mirror appears, we are in the mythic land of narcissists who saw himself reflected in a pool and fell in love with his own image. So compelled by his reflection, he could not turn away, a fixation that eventually led to his death. Recognize the power and danger of the mirror. It is a construct, one that may drive a shard between you and your true self. The mirror contains trickster energy. Put the phone down, stop at the comparisons, and let the mirror stand empty for a while, rest with the one inside. Mm -hmm. When light, witnessing the deeper self, pure awareness. When dark, narcissism, comparison, harsh edges. Well, and that just is like everything as well, right? Like the authentic self. Yeah. It, and it's, you know, recognizing that, you know, when I'm irritated with somebody else, I'm irritated with myself, that there's yeah, a mirroring that's... back to me. Uh, so that I, it's, Taking that, I mean, if we want to put it in the context of what we've been talking about, it's that taking the freedom of that Aquarian energy to step back, uh, to let the other person be whatever they are, and to go inward to look at what, what inside of me is causing the irritation, what inside of me is causing the anger or the agitation. Yeah, and that that is very true. And it very much speaks to doing your shadow work, to looking into your own shadow, your own unseen parts of yourself to, to see what's hidden there, you know, and because the true self is in your shadow, along with a lot of other parts and aspects of self. So it's like a call to do the inner work, a call to see the external as a mirror to help you look inward to take responsibility and do that shadow work. And also to, I mean, it, again, it's like, if we do the shadow work and we bring out the true essence of who we are and then we come together, holy crap. You know, I just imagine that yeah. being like where we can really create new versions, new innovative versions in your personal life and in the collective, think about personal relationships. Think about a romantic relationship of two authentic selves having a conversation versus mm -hmm. two egos that are projecting unconsciously their mom and dad onto each other. It's, it's so different. It's right. so different when we meet, when our institutions on some level, unconscious, deep level, are mirroring the abusive family upbringing. When our romantic relationships are mirroring what we didn't get as children, you know, when it's just like the kaleidoscope of shadows versus, and that's that's the the another way to look at Aquarius is it's autonomy. Aquarius mm -hmm. is autonomy. It's like, this is who I am. And 
acquiring energy and acquiring on any level has like a bubble around it. You know, it's like, I'm not going to give, I don't need to bleed into you and I don't need you to bleed into me. And that speaks right. to the, the age of Pisces going into the age of Aquarius, that 2000 year cycle that we're moving into the age of Aquarius, where it's about the individual being independent again, not toxically, not the toxic self-centered, pull yourself up by the bootstraps and conquer version. That's crap. But, right. you know, I am a whole being, I have awareness, I'm in touch with my authentic self, and I bring myself into all relationships interdependently. Right. I can engage with my limitations uh, without succumbing to them. Uh, and, I, and through that, I can... What do you uh, mean by that, Matt? That line is uh, not... Well, what like, I mean is... Example. What I mean is that I... I don't necessarily need to feel every uh, limitation as though it's crushing on me personally or that it's a personal thing. Can you uh, give me an example, though? Because I'm still just those. It's not landing to me. Uh, well, like a distinct example. Like what's a limitation? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the things that... <clears throat> um, so when someone asks me for uh, clarification or an example when I'm talking and I kind of, uh, it's not, I'm not communicating with them. I don't like take it personally as though they're like, they have a beef with me, uh, but that I respect the fact that there's a limitation between the way in which we're communicating and that I can honor that and then kind of back up and well like what you're asking now is to give an example i know i'm like yeah I'm, I'm asking for an example so what's the limitation i think i'm getting tripped up on the vocab well it's like, it's part of communication it's like not everything that comes out of my mouth is going to translate to somebody else uh so, so then the i have to take the limitation of i have to reshape it i have to come back and i don't take oh, I it see. personally so, okay so uh, the limitation is me not understanding what you're saying right Okay. And so then if you don't take that limitation personally, like, oh, I'm a terrible communicator or, oh, Michelle is so dominating and mean, you know, right. if you don't take it personally, which would be shadow stuff, um, but you just take it for what it is like, oh, we're having a communication gap, then right. you can, then you can face it like an adaptive challenge. Oh, let me try explaining it another way and see if we get through to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I get it now. So when we are connected to our true self, when we do our work, right. when we do our work, that's when we stop taking everyone and everything so personally that if anyone ever, when people, our loved ones say to us, uh, this hurts me or mm -hmm. I don't understand this, or I have a need that's not getting met. We're not like, oh, that means I'm bad, or that means you're bad. When we right. do our work, we can stop doing that. We can stop saying, you're bad, you outside of me, or I'm bad, me inside of me. That mm -hmm. goes away. That all goes away, because it is a mental construct to say, I'm bad, you're bad. And instead, to have this sense of zoomed out neutrality that's like, oh, this isn't working. 
Mm-hmm. How I am and how you are are not in harmony, are not connecting. How can we connect? Let's see, what can I do? What can you do? And we can look at it more constructively, you know, and we can still share feelings, right? Like, oh, right, sad that blah, 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 but it doesn't have to be this judgment call. Right. And we can, and then we can also more healthily accept when certain things don't work out. Right. that we can try it again a different way. Um, mm. And, you know, we can do it better the next time. There's, you know, failure can give us so many insights uh, into the condition that we're in and, and what we're working through. Yeah, uh, failure is such a great uh, indicator of, of a need for innovation or mm-hmm. adapting in a new way. And again, it's like, Aquarius really does have that ability to not take things personally and to not judge self or other. And that's what we're seeing rampant in society because it's rampant in the self, because there's so many untreated people who haven't done enough and just enough. You don't have to be the shiny, bright, shiny star of healedness. You know, (laughs) you don't have to be like a bright, shiny star unless you want to be. It's just doing your work enough to not go, you're bad, I'm bad. Right. To not feel crushed, like you say, to not feel like you're this terrible person when you can't show up or they're terrible when they can't show up. It's which then gives space because as soon as you go, you're terrible, I'm terrible. That's that karmic hook. Right. Sticky. It's like giving responsibility to somebody that shouldn't have it or taking responsibility that isn't yours. Right. Which is the age of Pisces, the past 2000 years where it's like no boundaries, everything's bleeding. (laughs) Yeah. Everything becomes one thing. Yeah. Everyone's bleeding into everyone. And then we're thinking somebody's going to save us right? The savior and age of Aquarius is like, you're going to all first save yourselves or not first, Mm -hmm. it's not linear, but save yourselves in order to save each other, save each other in order to save yourselves. Right. Happening simultaneously. Yeah. And recognizing that we're all kind of a part of this whole consciousness thing that, uh, that literally when you see something in somebody else, you are seeing it in yourself because that's a part, they're a part of you at a grander level, uh, more meta level. Yes. And Matt, I just realized I didn't set the timer for the second <laughs> half. Oh, I think we're right about it. I'm time. terrible. So. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> You're terrible. That's okay. It got it's us through, a, it got us through an interesting point there at the end. So uh, it did, and it's actually, I think we might be at exactly the hour. I think I might have intuitively looked over because it's 2.50. I think, I think we are just about at the hour, yeah. So Yeah, so we can wrap it up in saying that it seems that from what we've pulled in our discussion and riffing in the sacred synchronistic flow here that this Jupiter-Saturn-Aquarius conjunction is about the old ways crumbling for the new innovative ways birthing and being able to connect to true self within that and do the trust fall, connect to the transpersonal, find your true path within it, your true self, do your inner work so that we can all create enough space between each other 
to engage in these adaptive challenges so we can transcend beyond the you're bad, I'm bad. Right. Yeah, we don't necessarily need those, the structures we've had. Uh, They might be going away. We have each other, and that's the important thing. Uh, And that if we can go inside and do our own work and recognize, uh, you know, what what's in us is kind of also what's in others and what we're receiving from others, uh, that we can, uh, we can va- learn to value and love each other and find our way through this murky period. Yeah, and, and be able to work together in a lot more harmony. Yeah. Instead of constantly feeling bad or feeling other people are bad. So it really does start with that inner work. And if we, again, just think about the 20 years, the, the smallest cycle of this is 20 years. So it's like tw- for 20 years, this is the work. Yeah. Is to unstick from each other. And um, so just, and I, I just want to say that and that with, you know, cause a lot of there, there, I think there's a lot of hype that like this alignment, all of a sudden, it's going to be like this cathartic, grand, big deal, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not. Yeah, I I hear the age of Aquarius, that old kind of, uh, almost like the the Christian thousand year reign of Christ or something. Uh, that it's somehow it's going to be all like peace and love and roses and uh, and the planets just will make it poof happen. It's like well it involves us like the planets working through us and and we have to accept uh that energy and work with it and kind of flow with it to get to somewhere better and it's probably not going to be you know immediate uh, yeah or or some uh boundaryless paradise right matt and i end this show very saturn ruling aquarius reality we have to make it better it's our inner work that leads to the outer work and it takes time and dedication. There's going to be no instantaneous anything, and it's not going to be some utopia. It's going to continue to be cyclical as nature is, uh, but nature will be giving us the breakdown. So, so, so mode it be. Yeah, so mode it be. <laughs> uh, and with that, we'll uh, wrap it up, and we'll be back again on another Mercury's Hour uh, with more. Uh, more of what's to come in uh, 2021 uh, and beyond. So, uh, you know, drop us a note in the comments. Um, also, if you want to uh, find our the audio for our podcast, we're now up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and uh, Google and Stitcher. So uh, you, you can find us in lots of different places. Um, and uh, check out our websites uh, if you'd uh, like to book consultations. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, drop us an email at, uh, priestess mercury podcast at gmail.com. Uh, until then we'll see you, uh, on another Mercury's hour.